An entitled Karen gets hurt because she doesn't listen. Okay, so I'm going back to work because it's finally opening back up after the virus and that made me remember this story. Some of the moments of this are a little fuzzy and I was running on three hours of sleep that day. I work at a popular thrift store in Canada. When I was on maternity leave with my little one, I had to go into my store to buy some more baby clothes as he was just getting way too big for his younger clothing. I hate buying brand new unless it's on sale. So I was browsing some of the household aisles hoping to add to my collection of weird and pretty pottery that I had started when on leave when I hear a smash at the other end. I look at my watch and realized that most of the employees who would deal with this problem were on lunch. So the policy is if something made out of glass breaks, one employee would stand at the break point to stop customers from stepping on it and the other would go get a broom to clean the mess. Most times the people who rolled the product were on the floor to deal with it but cash was in charge of that when the break came. Since no one was around I decided what the heck I'm not in a hurry and the baby sleeping in the cart. So I stood there and my mother-in-law, who was with me at the time, went to tell the cash register about the break. Most customers were my regulars who knew I worked there and just had a baby. Some of them even stood there, out of the glass, to gush about how cute my little man is. Then, this one lady who looked like a Karen comes near and I tell her, Excuse me, ma'am. I'll have to ask you to go down the other aisle and come back to this one once the mess is cleaned up. She scoffed at me, looking at me up and down. Um, you're not the boss of me. You don't even work here here and then started walking on the glass to be fair the clothing policy at the time was all black and i was wearing bright colors and a long flowing skirt they have since gotten rid of the all black policy thank goodness as i hate wearing dark colors so i calmly said to the lady please stop walking ma'am this glass could hurt you and yes i do work here i'm just on leave with the baby i motioned to him and um, what glass there's nothing on the floor she said as she stopped to look on the shelves she never even looked down i I highly doubt you work here. You're just some entitled kid who had a baby way too young is now trying to use it to get free things. I was 23 years old at that point, 24 now. She went to walk away and at that moment, this lady, if I can even call her that, slipped on the glass and hit the ground. I asked her if she was okay and she screamed, Why didn't you tell me I was glass? I'll have you fired! I did warn you, I said as a supervisor and my mother-in-law showed up. The supervisor was the only one available to clean the mess and she's one of the best ones there. My mother-in-law saw that I was in distress and asked me what happened as the supervisor helped the lady stand. Luckily, the lady only got a small scratch on her hand from the glass. I want her fired. Where is her manager? Which made me think, oh, so now she believes that I work here. I'm the manager on duty, she said to the lady. What happened, OP? As I explained to her what happened, the lady kept trying to butt in, but the supervisor kept holding one finger up to silence her. Another customer chimed in and said, <laughs> OP's telling the truth. I heard the whole thing and you can check the cameras to see for yourself. <laughs> Most customers know that employees can get in trouble if they try to help with other customers, so they stayed out of it until now. Thank Thank you, the supervisor said to the nice customer, then looked at the lady. So, OP decides to go above and beyond in her job when she is on maternity leave, when she is a customer herself and tries to keep others safe. But you want her fired? Lady, you're crazy. OP did nothing wrong. The lady glares at me. She's lying. She wanted me to get hurt. That's why she didn't tell me about the glass. It was bright green. You can't even miss it like you could with clear glass. There's a witness, miss, and OP isn't the type to lie about these things. She then looked at me and said, OP, go rest in the break room. Your mother can go with you.
you too. She knew she was my mother-in-law, but always just called her my mom as she'd come in every day to pick me up when I was pregnant. So from there, I thanked her and went to the break room where my co-workers fussed over the baby and got to take turns holding him as I rested and told them what happened. I don't know what happened to the lady, but I was given a $20 gift card as a thanks for going above and beyond and doing my job even when I was off and did actually paid for most of my items after my discount. The lady probably left when I was in the break room to continue shopping as she and the mess were nowhere to be seen. The funny part is housewares are not even my section of the store, so it wasn't even my job to do it. I just didn't want to see anyone hurt and we are all still trained how to do it in case we are put into another area to help out. So was I the one responsible for Karen getting hurt? Am I the jerk? The original poster here really didn't have to do anything. She could have just walked away and let the situation unfold as it was going to unfold. But she took it upon herself to try and help people out so that they wouldn't get hurt. Whether or not the person was an employee, you can probably just tell that they're trying to help you out. So even if the Karen was right, this was just an imposter, why would anyone be making up a lie about glass being on the floor? I mean, I'm sure you could think of some crazy off the wall possibilities, but it's not very likely. I just love that she says, you're not the boss of me. You don't even work here. And then starts walking on the glass because in that moment, before she even slipped, she could probably already hear the crunching of the glass beneath her shoes and just refused to acknowledge reality because she didn't want to seem like she was wrong. So let me know how you guys want to handle a situation like this down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. This story starts 31 years ago, but the revenge part was pure serendipity that began two years ago. I'm going to shorten some most parts because it's a crazy ride, but I'll be happy to answer any questions you all have. I learned a lot on this journey and part of the reason for this write-up is to share that with others. So let's start at the beginning. In 1990, I was just out of middle school and my sister was still in elementary school. My dad met his third wife at the only gas station in our town. They soon moved in together and my dad abandoned us in our basement apartment to live in a shanty houseboat that didn't run so he could live with her. He would show up every other week and give me $40 for groceries. Eventually, someone figured out the situation and called my mom. We went to live with her, which was, believe it or not, worse. My dad and his shanty wife got married in 1991. Not long after, she called me and told me my dad's brain tumor had returned. It hadn't, and that he couldn't handle the stress of being around us. That the only people he could bear to be around was her and her son, Shorty, who was my age. When I called my dad to ask if this was true, he said that it wasn't, and he just couldn't believe that she would say that to begin with. That was one of our last conversations until two years ago. The middle. There's not much in this part. I worked my way through college, living in my car from time to time, and my dad and I were no contact. But I heard from family that he'd bought a house and put his son through some vocational classes. When my grandmother died, Shorty and Shanty wife showed up in a truck and took all the furniture and anything else that wasn't tied down or already gone. Eventually, I went no contact with my dad's side of the family. I struggled for years, decades really, but I made it. And I have a great job and a good family now. The best revenge is living well, right? The pre-end warm-up. Two years ago, in October of 2019, I get a call from my dad's brother, Alan. He told me my dad was in a nursing home in another state. Great. And I needed to go see him because he needed my help. 
WTH, Shorty had ghosted him. Ha ha ha. The nursing home, coincidentally, was about 20 minutes from my house, and I saw an opportunity and I went. The reunion was underwhelming. I didn't want to make amends, but I did want to hear how he wound up dumped and all alone in another state. And it was a really, really good story. Shanty wife got lung cancer and put my dad in a nursing home before she died in 2017. She suffered, and I was happy to hear it, but was sad it wasn't butt cancer. Shorty became his power of attorney when she died and had been visiting my dad, living in my dad's house with his two children and taking care of my dad's affairs since his mom died. But now he was MIA and my dad was worried about him. He asked me to drive the hour and a half to his house to check on everything. That's all he wanted. He never even asked me how I had been. I agreed to go, I think out of morbid curiosity. I'd never been to my dad's house. I did want to see where he lived with his real family for 30 years. I wanted to see what my life could have been. It was 50 shades of awful. The grass hadn't been cut all summer. You couldn't get to the front door because of the overgrowth. There were three pickup trucks in the yard. Two were full of trash, cabs and beds and back seats. Just trash. Mail, clothes, paper, shoes, garbage bags. I couldn't understand it. My dad's handicap modified. SUV was on four flats and full of garbage too. I didn't have a key, so I just walked around. From what windows I could look through, the inside was in shambles and hoarded to hell. On the front and carport doors were dozens of notices from the city that they were going to condemn the place. The carport was also hoarded. Boxes and boxes stacked on top of each other, most rotting from the rain. The yard was full of garbage, broken Christmas ornaments, more shoes, rusted tools, old toys. There was a a letter in the mailbox notifying him that since the house was abandoned, mail would not be delivered anymore. That night, I googled powers of attorney and how to use them. I went back the next day and showed my bedbound dad the pictures on my phone. He vowed to beat Shorty's butt and then asked me for help once more. I told him I would, but he'd have to sign power of attorney over to me. All of it. Durable, which is financial and medical. If he didn't, he could figure this out by himself. He agreed. So I set about finding a lawyer who who would drive to another state and do the paperwork in the nursing home. Bless that lawyer for being so good at his job because all I did was tell him what I knew and he put together a beautifully bulletproof power of attorney. It was full of stuff that I didn't even know I would need. He also filled the paperwork to revoke Shorty's power of attorney and now I'm unstoppable. We're from a small rural town and it's the kind of creepy landlocked place that no matter how long you've been gone or how far you've been away, when you go back, you will see someone you know. Even if you don't know them, you know them. It's like playing seven degrees of everybody all the time. It's suffocating, but it can also be helpful the beginning of the end. I got to work the next morning. I didn't know how scorched the earth would be when I finished and I didn't want Shorty or anyone from his inbred family trying to find me, so I made sure nothing I did had my name on it. I opened a Google account for my dad and got a Google number. I opened a P.O. box for him in his town. I put in a mail forwarding notice. I pulled his credit report. I took the power of attorney to my dad's small town bank, changed the address on his account, and got new account numbers. I requested copies of every transaction back to the day Shanty wife had died, which was about 13 months worth. I had to go to the main branch two hours from my house the next day to pick up the records. I sat in the lobby all afternoon going through the accounts. I cornered a service rep and got a crash course in his debits and deposits. 
This is when I figured out the extent of Shorty's staggering stupidity. My dad got about $5,000 a month in disability and social security every month. Twice a week, Shorty was going into a branch and withdrawing cash, all of the cash, for 13 months. And every time he did it, as the power of attorney, he had to sign a form stating that he was acting on behalf of my dad. And that form was notarized by the bank. I went through every withdrawal and got the bank to confirm that every one of them was made by Shorty. Then I went to the house and called a locksmith. I knew it was bad, but I had no idea what was waiting for me there. He got the first door open and the stench rolled out like a fog bank. We both gagged. Two locks later, I was so embarrassed by what he had to see and smell that I gave him a $60 tip. And with shiny new keys in hand, I called the cops. I told them I was power of attorney for my dad. I was checking on his house and there were three vehicles there that didn't belong to him. He asked me if I knew who they belonged to. I said no and I wanted them towed. He told me to call a tow company and he would meet them there. They showed up with two wreckers. The tow truck guy got out and asked me for a signature. I only signed my first name. As I was signing, he asked, do you know Shorty? Running on pure hatred at this point, I surprised myself and said, do you? He said that he did and that he's a jerk. I responded with, he might be. Hey, can you do me a favor? If you see him, will you tell him OP is coming for him? His bravado evaporated. He knows a crazy bee when he sees one. They towed the trucks. When everyone was gone, I opened the door in the carport to peek in. The sun was going down and it was dark in the house. I heard something faint and after a few seconds realized it was the roaches and the rats doing their roach and rat stuff. I could smell it all in my hair. I sat on the carport steps and watched the sun go down. I was mad, just so cosmically livid that 72 hours was all it took to dissolve three decades and here I was, Thinking and listening to the rats and cleaning up everyone else's stuff. Taking time away from my family and for what? I had a coming to Jesus moment with myself. I could either bow out now or double down. And the thing is, I'm tenacious to a fault. I had to survive. And this was a bone that I couldn't put down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
The thought of Shorty's life being upended, his only source of income disappearing literally overnight, and my dad having to hear secondhand from me that he's broken alone made me absolutely giddy. I desperately wanted them both to lose what they had, so I decided I was going to triple dog down. That night, I googled restraining orders, and it was surprisingly easy to get one. I went to the courthouse in my hometown, I went to the clerk's office, and I told her I needed a restraining order. I filled the form in at a rickety little table while I was there. I wasn't prepared to see a judge that day, but she took the form and said, okay, I'll see if the judge is still here. That kind of scared me. She took me to his chambers, and as I was waiting, I looked around and saw he had certificates of appreciation hanging up from various veterans groups. Then I wiped my palms and thought, fish in a barrel. He asked me about my dad's stint in the Marines and about the DOD office logo on my sweater. I'm a contractor. He read my form and granted the temporary order. I would have to go back for the permanent one where Shorty would be able to argue against it. Then I went home and googled biohazard companies and elder abuse statutes in my state. I hired a biohazard company to shovel all the crap out of the house for $7,000. I would have paid double. They found my dad's mummified dog under some pizza boxes in the master bedroom. They sent me pictures and salvaged some papers. Shorty was served during this time and a hearing was set. I got to work collecting and documenting everything. I made pictures and spreadsheets and timelines with cross references because now they had my full attention. The paid versions of Truthfinder and Trello seriously got me through all of this. In my spare time, I went to the nursing home and gave my dad 8x10 copies of the pictures of his dead dog from every angle. Before court, I went to the police station nearby and told them I wanted to report an elder abuse crime. A white-collar detective came out and told me that it was a domestic matter and that since Shorty had been power of attorney, everything he had done was legal. And this was the day I got got to teach a small town detective about the fiduciary responsibilities of a power of attorney. Thanks Google. I handed him a copy of the statute with the applicable sections highlighted. Then I handed him a thick folder with bank statements, pictures of the hoarded house, a dead dog, a copy of my dad's credit report that showed he was tens and tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and a spreadsheet listing every cash withdrawal with a running total of the stolen amounts. The grand total was over 100 $30,000 in cash. That's not including the lost value of the house or the credit cards he opened and used. And I told him he could keep that folder since it wasn't the only one that I had. Then I told him I would wait for a case number and I sat down. He came back about 30 minutes later and apologized, said I had a case and gave me a case number. Then I headed down to the courthouse. There were other people there and I had to wait my turn. And while I was waiting, that stupid idiot schlepped his sloppy butt into the court room by himself and obviously, literally, not metaphorically, came dirty. His shoes were untied and that turned my giggle box over. Then it was our turn and we stood up. The same judge asked me some questions, asked him some questions, asked me if I had any proof. I had a very thick folder of it. The judge asked me if I had gone to the police. I said, well, yes, sir, I have. Do you have a case number? As a matter of fact, the order was granted permanently and for life but not before the judge halted proceedings and told Shorty he needed a lawyer. Someone told me that the courthouse would have a copy of my dad's DD-214, which are his discharge papers. So while I was there, I got copies of those because why not? I also used my power of attorney to take shanty wife off the deed to the house. That way, if my dad died and went to probate, Shorty had no immediate claim. I also went and got copies of my dad's birth certificate 
certificate and Shanty Wife's death certificate. Technically, stepchildren can't request that information, but the clerk who waited on me recognized my dad's name and told me she lost her V to my Uncle Alan in the 60s and went to my grandparents' funeral. So I got all the forms that I wanted. Shanty Wife left my dad $50,000 in life insurance. About $35,000 of that was left since Shorty was spending my dad's money and not his mom's. So I opened an ally account and transferred every penny over. Then I set up recurring transfers for the monthly deposits. At any given time, there was no more than $100 in his account. I also found a house flipper that paid me enough for the house to pay off his mortgage. And that's the thing about probate. There's nothing to fight over if there's nothing there and I made sure there was nothing there. My dad died thinking he still owned a house. Speaking of which, this is about the time I found my dad's life insurance policies. They were up to date and Shanty Wife was a beneficiary. My power of attorney didn't allow me to change beneficiaries, but it did allow me to assign them. And since Shanty Wife was dead, there was technically no beneficiary. This is where the death certificates came in handy. I assigned my sister and me as beneficiaries, irrevocable too, which means that the only way to change that is for my dad and me and my sister to agree to it. I kept my dad in the dark about all of this. The only thing he ever really knew was about the restraining order and his dead dog. I found out that he had purchased the gravesite next to Shanty Wife and wanted to be buried next to her. That was just never going to happen. I googled national cemeteries and found out he qualified to be in one since he was a disabled Vietnam era veteran. So I arranged for that instead. And the cherry on top of it all, my dad died in June this year and I was there. He's buried in a national cemetery far away where no one will ever go visit him. The only obituary I ran was on the funeral home's website and that was only for insurance purposes. I wrote it as vague as possible. There was no service. His urn is purple, the color that he hated most. I got a call in August from the prosecutor's office in my hometown. The lady on the other end is married to my first cousin because of course she is. That's how it works there. Shorty was arrested just after midnight on July 1st. Was still in jail and had been arraigned on a felony elder abuse charge. Now he's facing 10 years in FPMITA prison. She told me not to expect the trial anytime soon as it can take up to three years for that to happen. I told her that was awesome since the uncertainty will hopefully haunt him. And after all of that, he still got prison to look forward to. He lost his kids. He lost his dad in quotes. And now I'm spending his mom's cancer money. He lost his free house, his trucks. He has no credits and he will never be able to get any sort of decent job and will, hopefully, for a long time, not be able to find a decent place to live. And I sleep like a baby. Am I the jerk? The part that stood out to me as being the most petty above everything else is the fact that he chose a purple urn for his dad because it was the color that he hated most. I get why he would feel the way he felt about him, especially from his perspective. It's kind of like the dad chose the other family over him and then, in the end, gave power of attorney to It's just kind of wild that the dad got $5,000 a month in disability and social security and Shorty would just walk into a branch, withdraw all the cash and use it for whatever he wanted to. That's a lot of money to be stealing and just using for whatever you want. And the dad must have been comfortable enough as he was where he wasn't noticing that $5,000 a month was just getting taken out of his disability and social security. The part that probably hurts the OP the most is the fact that the dad seems to have no remorse at all for basically just abandoning him once he met his third wife at that gas station. They hadn't seen each other that entire time and in his elderly age, instead of trying to make amends, he just asked them to do favors for him because he can't get a hold of the person that is in charge of everything, Shorty. And as the OP was growing up, when he was working his way 
through life, his dad was paying for the vocational tuition for the son of his wife when he had his own son that he didn't do that for? Of course, that's got a sting. So let me know how you see this whole situation. Do you think the revenge was justified or was it going too far? Let me know down below in jerk or not a jerk and why. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.